Hi, everyone, and welcome to AB Conversations, where we will help you CFP your way out of it, a podcast where you get into the minds of a couple certified financial planners on how we think and feel about everyday financial planning questions and what should really matter most to you. A healthier financial life starts now. Hey there, Ben. How was your Thanksgiving? That it feels like a while ago already. Uh, it was great. It was only a week and a half. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been some long days, so. <laughs> Very fair. All good. Speeding, speeding right into the holiday. It, it, it feels somewhat surreal and, and a little bit stressful that, yes, we are barreling towards the end of the year here, and it's going to be here before we are, at least for me, before I feel even remotely prepared. It's all right. It's all right. We're used to it. So, Time flies, as they say. Yeah. Everyone tells you when you have kids, oh, time, time flies when you have kids. And it, it, it's astonishingly accurate, unfortunately. Fact. So, topic today. Not one yeah. that you necessarily... <laughs> it's not that bad. It's, it's, it's not one that, that you love to talk about. But it is an important aspect of our job. So let's let's talk about it. It's I think it's been it's probably been six months since we kind of talked about investments. Yeah. Um, yeah. And kind of our where, where we're at, our outlook um, and kind of just give that state of the union address, if you will, on kind of our our approach to investments here towards the end of the year. Yeah, I know. I, I crinkle my nose because this is a CFP podcast. We are dedicated right. to financial planning. And I just, I don't, I don't want to bait people into listening to something thinking they're going to get like a secret sauce here. So again, free and fair disclosure. We're going to talk about process. We're going to talk about relevant things. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really not anything new and exciting to share other than maybe just making sure that people have the right context so yeah i think i think if people know us well enough by now and certainly if they're clients they should and if they're listeners to this they probably do know that uh our our investment philosophies are relatively fundamental we are we are not we are not the stock picker we are not a stock broker um you know we we have a pretty we believe that investments should be relatively boring yep. um it doesn't mean you just set it and forget it and, you know, let, let it run its course. But um, yeah, when, when we make changes, we often refer to that as, you know, a, a, you're adjusting the light with a dimmer switch and not just turning things on and off. Love it. So process, process, process. Let me give like, I don't know, the 30 to 60 second kind of process on how and why we bring yeah. this up at the end of the year now. And then let's just jump right into the context. I think you said okay. it well. Where are we today? What does it kind of mean? And where are we going from here? So yep. the reason that we don't emphasize um, investments in every conversation that we have is it all comes back to financial planning, right? You base what you're recommending to somebody based on a risk and return profile, you know, what we want of that allocation. Um, and then we need to recognize that that, that allocation is just going to move, right? That might be right. one's own doing, right? Taking money out or putting money in. It's clearly mm -hmm. market movements, economies changing, right? Just because you put money in these eight buckets doesn't mean it's going to stay perfectly allocated um, piece right. by piece. So what's our job? It's to monitor those movements, to not get too risky and outside of somebody's 
comfort zone or what's appropriate for yeah. their plan. And on the other side, make sure that, you know, if things are moving in a big way, um, that we're kind of giving ourselves the opportunity to take gains when we can, um, or put money back into those things that, that may feel like a better, a better buying opportunity. So, right. Baseline allocation, things move. We need to follow that. But that doesn't always mean that when we're following it, we're always going to react to market movements. <laughs> yeah. So that's what that last part that you just said. Oftentimes, um, you know, when we meet with clients and, and this most recent volatility that happened Black Friday, right after Thanksgiving, um, driven by the, the new variant, oftentimes our our decision-making process and all of the time and, and research and reading and back and forth discussion often leads to inaction, right? Yeah. And that fe- and I think to, to many people that feels um, underwhelming, but that ultimately um, because we do have that fundamental uh, investment process and we are more strategic, meaning we are longer term investors and not like the short term traders, um, where certain headline moves may matter to people who only want to own a stock for a month or two months. But for us and the people that we work with that do have that long-term view, the short-term market movements are just that. They are those short-term market movements. We're more focused on if there are longer-term trends that we feel we either need to get out of the way of or we want to take advantage of, um, then, then we'll start to factor that in. So going back to my earlier comment, that's why oftentimes any adjustments that we make to portfolios um, usually are relatively minor um, and not right. wholesale wholesale changes uh, to the way that we approach investments. I, I'd liken it to our own health in a way. And I don't know why this analogy is popping into my head because I'm pretty sure I've never used it before. But the Ooh, whole point... Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole point of having the process is to continue to take temperature checks, though. Um, yeah. Right? And I'm, I'm just, again, thinking as a parent, sending three kids to school every day, a little cough, check the temperature, check the temperature, check the fundamentals, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's a difference between that little cough, little allergies, and oh my God, this is COVID, right? It's yeah. not to overreact to things. Always take the temperature, make sure the fundamentals are okay. And as long as that's the case, um, it's just then tracking that allocation to make sure it's not swinging too far one way or the other. Yeah. So then on that note, let's transition into kind of that that broader context to how did we get to where we're at now or just where are we at now? Um, knowing that the last three, well, more than the last three years, but the last three years specifically for the stock market have been exceptionally good. The We are well above historic stock market returns, especially in the last three years. Um, sure. And that certain, certainly can lead to that um, portfolio, that allocation to stocks being skewed, if stocks are growing at a much greater pace than our bond investments, then that, that allocation can start to um, get out of whack a little bit where you are taking potentially more risk than, than you intended. Yeah, I think that's the context we want to share because as much as we want to focus on um, financial planning, we understand that a big part of our job is managing people's emotions and liquidity yeah. and the things they're, they're going to need to have coming out of that financial plan, right? Recreating their paycheck. So yeah, the last three years, I actually did a little math. We would have to lose 22% <laughs> from where we are right now 
to get below a five-year average return of double digits, 10%. Wow. Like if we got five straight years of 10% hmm. going back to 2016, we'd have hmm. to be 22% lower than where we are today. So wow. the, the key there is we don't know where things are going. We can right. tell you that everything we read and follow suggests that there's really no major panic on the time horizon, whether it's another variant or not, whether mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. economic slowdown or not. Um, but within your financial plan, is there any reason for us to really have a knee-jerk reaction to a market going down 10% next year, 20% next year? I don't know, but probably not. Yeah, pro yeah, prob probably not. And I think part of that is just the, the human nature, right, of the, the, the recency bias. What, what have you done for me lately? Um, and even I, I, we met with a client, I met with a client mm, probably middle of last week, and it still just felt like we are, it, timeline does not feel like we are that far removed from March of 2020 when, when the market was kind of in, in the throes of, of just the 30% downturn in three weeks of trading. Yeah. Um, but that since then, the way things have rebounded and as strongly as, as things have come back, it, it really kind of puts that out of your memory very quickly. Um, and I think that's, that's part of our job as you said, it's managing the emotions and making sure that we're not necessarily forgetting those events, um, but just making sure that we can use those as education because it's going to happen again, maybe not in the same way. We, we like to say, you know, hi history may not always repeat itself, but it often rhymes. So we may yeah. have some, some other event, some other headline that may lead to that. Um, and for the majority of our clients, 99%, if you were able to kind of survive the market in March of 2020, we hope that gives you the, uh, the confidence to be able to weather a very similar storm if and when it ever happens again. Yeah, manage emotions. It is our job to manage losses. That's why we diversify and that's sure. the other context we wanna give. We are, we are abundantly aware that right now in most allocations that we would have for our clients, we're owning things that we truly, truly believe in our hearts are not going to keep up with U.S. stocks right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that's not their objective, right? It's not to maximize full potential of a portfolio, manage emotions, manage losses, manage liquidity. We need to make sure there's often for our retired clients and pre-retired clients, there's access to those things that are just more risk managed as opposed mm -hmm. to return seeking. Yeah. So, so, so on that front, we, we like to say, or it's, it's somewhat of a joke that at any point in time, if, if you are properly diversified, you're probably not going to be happy with at least one of your holdings. Yeah. Right? Your not... bonds, your bonds have stank this year. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And if you owned emerging markets, that has also not done well. Like you are actually negative. Um, if you, if you've owned, you know, an emerging markets, mutual fund or ETF. So yeah. Th so this goes to a, a deeper point, just kind of the, the broad context. In, in certain asset classes, stocks being a broad one, not all stocks are created equal, right? It's, right. it's US, yeah. US versus international versus emerging markets. They all respond at times similarly, but ultimately over those long periods of time, different variables, different factors influence their performance. Um, so it's even, it's even hard just to say, well, I own 60% you know, in stocks and 40% in bonds. Someone else may own that same allocation, but the way that they get there underneath the service surface gives a yeah. completely, completely different 
um, experience through that process. So, so yeah, bonds this year have, have been flat to slightly negative. Um, and part of that, I think, was because we've had, we had such uh, outperformance the last yeah. two years within bonds. We certainly wouldn't have expected, you know, eight, nine, 10% from our bond investments in any given year, right? We, we have low, low expectations on, on bonds. Typically, if we get three to 4%, we're happy. So the fact that we were well above that expectation in the last two years, it feels like a lot of this year's returns and maybe even next year's returns were kind of pulled backwards um, into the past or what was then, you know, into the present. That it's it's we're we're somewhat tempering our expectations moving forward um, because of that. Yeah. So where do we go from here? And within this context, within our commitment to diversification, is it to completely just abandon bonds? We're 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 not going to be that group that does that, Mm -mm. right? Because again, it's not to maximize growth in every different way within a total allocation. There has to be some management of risk management to make sure liquidity can be met, right? If somebody is trying to take some money out, where do we usually take it from? Maybe you carve some gains from stock. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's to go to the bonds because they haven't moved a whole lot. So we, we have to stay committed and diligent to that process, even within the context of, man, we just know bonds are probably going to stink next year again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we go a little more granular though? Sure talk maybe a little bit about the high yield space and we're getting some questions on i bonds too so oh man yeah so yeah I'll, I'll take that first that first angle the high yield bond side of things so as i said not all stocks are created equal same thing with the bond side but there are there are so many different subsets of bonds you have your your government issued bonds you have your your treasuries all different um, time periods you have corporate bonds um, the high yield bond side of things usually falls into the, the corporate side. And like every person has a credit rating, so yeah. do corporations, right? They are, they are rated. And when they issue debt, they issue bonds, they have that, that rating gets attached to that. So think of it like us. If, if our credit score is low, or if a company has a lower credit rating, then you pay a little bit more in terms of an interest rate for, for that debt. So those are the companies that it seems, why would we want to own them if they have, you know, maybe a a somewhat substandard uh, credit rating? It's for that very reason, right? They're paying more interest. Therefore, if you're the one owning that debt, you are receiving a little bit higher compensation in form of a higher dividend, a higher yield for assuming some of that credit risk as part of that process. The way that we kind of view that. to be okay with taking some, some maybe yeah. a, a little bit a higher level of credit risk is that's usually tied to economic performance, right? The economic output of our country. And if we feel good about the economy, then that usually bodes well for high yield bonds. It's a, and I should take a step back and say, we are using that within our portfolios, but it is still a minor, minor, minor yeah. sliver of our overall portfolio and even just a small subset of our bond exposure. Um, and that's really just the bond environment right now is just, as you said earlier, it's a tough time for conservative investors um, that aren't necessarily comfortable with a whole lot of stock market risk. 
Yeah, so there's a great example. Thank you for going through that on a specific choice that can be made within a broader allocation um, to try to, I'll use your words, move the light dimmer a little bit, maybe increase yeah. some yield um, and do it in a way that doesn't feel like we're materially adding a lot of risk to the portfolio. Right. Um, we've also gotten questions on I-bonds. I-bonds are tied to an inflation rate, right? So these are government issued bonds um, that because inflation is a little higher right now, congratulations mm -hmm. to everybody that's going to get a 6% increase in the social security next year. <laughs> Sounds yep. great. Um, it's allowing people on a, on a shorter term instrument directly through the treasury to collect a little bit of a higher interest rate. Base rate is mm -hmm. like zero right now, but the variable rate tied to inflation is what? Six, 7%. Six. Yep. Yep. Which sounds great. Here, here are the couple of the catches. You can only put mm -hmm. $10,000 in per individual. And of course, it has to be directly through the U.S. Treasury. It's not through your IRA. It's not through um, an LPL financial like where we custodian most assets. So right. the key here is that there are little things, again, you can do to try to improve your positioning within that bond space. Um, but again, no matter what type of investor you are, if you're capped at $10,000, yeah, is this going to make the needle so much? That's correct. So, yeah. Um, but I think two good examples to kind of hit on where we are today and, and maybe what that's going to look like for next year. Yeah. Anything else on that front? No. So then let's talk outlook. Okay. You know, where, where we see things going and, and certainly we, I hinted at, hinted at it. Hold on. Oh, one second. If we're going to go outlook, I want to grab my crystal ball. Hold on. Oh, okay. I'll just keep, I'll filibuster while, while you're searching for that. <laughs> Did you, okay. Did you find a magic eight ball at least? <laughs> Try again later is what it's like. <laughs> so so uh, I am certainly seeing a lot of the investment um, providers that we follow. You know, it's the Black Rocks, the JP Morgans, LPL Zone Research. There, there are tons Vanguard that we follow, um, and we aggregate a lot of that into our process. Uh, but a lot of their kind of 2022 predictions, let's call them, are, are starting to trickle out here in December. But I think the, the most recent volatility that happened, again, right around Thanksgiving with this new variant that kind of just swung the market very quickly. And here we are, again, a week and a half later, um, and at least the headline that I saw, the, the Dow Jones has completely erased all of those losses already. So anybody, again, who, who overreacted or at least took action in that short term, may be regretting some of that. Um, and part of that is just, it's the unknown. And we've talked about this before. The market is going to react to those unknowns right. more, more often than not in a negative fashion um, to be able to digest. We just need time to be able to digest this information. So this most recent variant, it seems like the initial um, research is showing that it's more transmissible, but maybe not more severe in terms of the, in, the infection and the, the result um, of that. So I hate to say it, but it, it does feel like that's at least a, a best case scenario, knowing that the, these, yeah. these variants are going to happen. Um, JP Morgan actually had a, an interesting take on that, that whole thing, which was for, for the entire world, our country included, to get at what feels like out of this pandemic at some point, we need everybody at some point is going to need some sort of immunity, whether that's coming through vaccinations, which is hopefully the less painful way, 
or it's through the natural immunity, meaning you have to catch COVID, you have to survive it, and now you have that immunity built up. Their argument was if it's more transmissible, but not as severe, then that may speed up hmm. the process of getting out of the pandemic, getting to the other side where most people do have some immunity and where it does feel like it's in the rear view. So I thought that was a very interesting kind of approach um, just to, to COVID in general right now that at some point we hope it is in our rear view and it's not you know, driving everyday life, but, but their argument was this, this may speed that process up, which for, for us and the economy, that means any or any, any even short-term hiccups now is just delaying growth to the future. So it's not necessarily erasing growth, it's just delaying it or vice versa. Yeah, this just feels like one more example of when we talk about the market, we're talking about that as a weighing station to so many different things and there yeah. being so many different inputs. And in our mind, headlines, real life COVID, it feels like that should be driving things a lot. And mm -hmm. if anything, you know, it's been humbling over the last year and a half to kind of see how the market was well ahead of maybe how we were feeling emotionally about yeah. our lives and shutdowns and, and things that felt really heavy. Um, so it just, it once again goes to show all, all of those commentators, all of those institutions that we aggregate data from, if they all told us, hey, we really think next year could be a rocky year, we still wouldn't be making dramatic changes to our portfolio. <laughs> right, right. Because we just, nobody can know. Those are still predictions. So whether they're telling us, hey, we're going to continue to see growth or we're really concerned about this, here's the whole key. The context is we're happy for how great things have been in the market. Um, we're going to take some of those gains when we can. Um, but it's not, it's not to overreact one way or the other. Yes. Well said. And uh, when you find the crystal ball, let me know. And let's, yeah, you know. Sure throw a couple bucks on whatever it tells us to throw a couple bucks on and <laughs> take an extra vacation yeah. next year. Ooh, okay, sure. Let's do that. Kind of feel like I need one. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this, the, the Santa rally maybe came early this year, but let's, let's see where the next couple weeks go. But for no matter when you listen to this, it's been another banner year. Yeah, yeah. So, so then let me just recap kind of the outlook side of things. It, for, and I think I said, kind of said it earlier, on the bond side, our expectations are tempered. We feel like we can, if, if we get zero to slightly positive returns, that's that's kind of our, our mm -hmm. view right now. But their their job, as you said earlier, is not necessarily to add to the total return at this point. It would be to dampen any volatility that we would see in the stock market. On that front, we, again, we don't, but there's no way for us to know what the stock market is going to do. But fundamentally, things underneath the surface companies are still profitable. They've been able to deal with all of the supply chain issues. The inflation, the inflationary pressures uh, seem to be subsiding slightly. And there is expectation that that should continue to slowly, um, you know, work its way out of the system. It's still, inflation is, is probably here much higher and, and to stay a little bit longer than I think we've, at least during my adult lifetime that we've really mm -hmm. seen or felt. Um, but that usually is still a good sign for stocks. And at the end of the day, it really comes down to are companies profitable and is the economy growing? And usually if those two things are happening, then the stock market usually can, can climb that wall of worry and, and end higher. So all joking aside, we don't need a crystal ball. The point is to just follow those fundamentals, stick to the plan, 
and you know do our best to take those temperature checks as we need to on a regular basis but just stick to the plan yep and yeah so on that note do your planning the three bucket theory right have all of your fundamentals in place so that you can weather the storms in the market when they happen because they will at some point um, and to whatever degree we don't know and when we don't know but as long as you have that plan to be able to to ride that roller coaster you'll be rewarded over time perfect bingo my friend thank you so much um what do you say we get back to work sounds great all right bye Hey everyone, Adam and I really appreciate you tuning in. Please note that the opinions we voiced in the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be most appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, your accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to making any decisions or investing. Thanks for listening.